This is episode 346 of The Real Man Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase is going to take a look at a couple more Oscar hopefuls and The Lost Daughter and Tick, Tick, Boom, both streaming on Netflix if you want to check them out. What will he think about them? We'll just have to tune in and find out. This episode starts right now. What is going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Real Me and Cole in the Movie Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee, and thank you for joining me on this day or night or whenever you're listening to this. You guys are amazing. Uh, before we begin the episode, you guys know the drill. If you guys could spread this episode around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, that would be much appreciated. Uh, this is episode 346. Uh, my main reviews and topics of conversation will be the Lost Daughter and Tick, Tick, Boom. A couple uh, Oscar hopefuls that could sneak in there. And so I wanted to kind of uh, have these two films as part of my catch-up and just um, uh, review for you guys because uh, I missed a lot last year. So that's exactly why I'm doing it. And then, of course, uh, you know, I'll just kind of go over uh, some of the stuff I've been watching and all the usual stuff beforehand. And that will be the episode. Um, so, yeah, I have to ask every single week, as I always do. You guys know it's coming. Here we go. One, two, three. How are you guys doing? You guys doing pretty good? Um, it is January 31st at the posting of this episode, and we are in February pretty much. So um, we uh, are, are shooting through 2022 like no one's business. Um, what do I remember in January? Uh, my birthday. That's about it. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's one of those things to where it just, it just blazed through. And I didn't even have time to comprehend it. Um, and before you know it, I'm going to be 50 years old. And then before you know it, I'm going to be 95. And then uh, I'm going to live to be like 325 years old. So, uh, you know, th that's the way I see my life going. But, yeah, uh, time time is passing. Um, but February is pretty much here. Um, and so I figured, since this is the last episode of January, that uh, I will be going over some of the possible episodes that I could do in February for you guys. And this is all in the contingency that I will even see these films, uh, see them at press screenings or see them at home or go pay to see them. Either way, here are some of the prospects for February. Uh, looking kind of light, uh, just like um, um, January, but you know, let's see what we can, we can pull out here. So February 4th, uh, which is the first Friday um, in the month, Jackass Forever comes out. Um, now I did get to see Scream early, so I'm assuming since this is Paramount, I'll probably get to do that again if they have an early screening for it. So this might be February 4th, and if I see Moonfall, uh, the Roland Emmerich Moon Disaster film, which I'm always a fan of a disaster film, um, Moonfall and Jackass Forever will probably be the episode that comes out on the 7th, because I, I think I'm doing pretty well with posting these on Mondays. So I think that's what I'm going to do. That way it gives you guys the weekend to watch the movie that I'm talking about. Um, and it, that just makes sense to me. Um, but if not, you guys can always download these episodes and come back to them. But I'm just saying for, for people that like me that see them on opening weekend or whatever, it gives you guys an opportunity to watch it so you can be a part of the conversation. So Jackass Forever, it will probably be... I'd say 90% sure that that will be the episode. And if I can see Moonfall, then you guys will get both of those. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just see what happens. For February 11th, um, Death on the Nile comes out. I will definitely be getting an invite to that because I've already discussed it with one of the reps. 
um, they because they they are going full on with it. Um, they're gonna have their normal kind of run. So Death on the Nile will be February 11th, and don't really see anything else that I could do. Uh, of course, they have that the Marry Me film, which is the Owen Wilson Jennifer Lopez romantic comedy makes sense coming out valentine's day weekend but that's universal and i don't really get those anymore and i quite honestly i don't want to pay for it uh but if my wife wants to see it then um you guys will get both of those but definitely death on the nile will be a a must for the episode that will drop on the 14th happy valentine's day <laughs> uh for february 18th uh so for the episode that will drop on the 21st uh, it will definitely be Uncharted. Uh, I do get Sony invites, so it will probably be that. Um, I really want to see Ambulance, uh, the Michael Bay film with Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Isaac Gonzalez, and uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. I, that one looks bonkers. I absolutely want to watch that one. And then, of course, Dog with uh, Channing Tatum. I think that was Universal once again. I don't think I'll get that one. Um, so most likely you're going to get just Uncharted Solo, but I would love to see Ambulance. Is that coming on Netflix? All right. All right. All right. Okay. Hold, hold on, people. I, I got to do this in real time because I didn't do my research, and now you're going to laugh at me, and that's fine. Uh, I think it's Universal if I had to. Yeah, it's Universal, I, so probably won't get it. Um, but I would, love to, I would love to pay for that one. Um, so maybe... Maybe I can do Uncharted and um, uh, Ambulance for you guys. I think that would be an interesting matchup uh, for that week. And then the final week, uh, with, uh, with the Friday of it being February 25th, so you guys will get the episode on the 28th. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, to be honest with you, because there's really nothing coming out. Um, you know, at that point, the Oscar nominations will have been out. Maybe, I'll tell you what. On February 28th, I think that episode will be the rest of the ones that I have to catch up on, which is House of Gucci and King Richard, uh, and even James Bond, No Time to Die. So that episode might be that. Yeah, let's go ahead and shoot for that. So, um, yeah, so that is your that is your February prospects right now for episodes. Um, let's go over it one more time. So... The episode on the 7th will be Jackass Forever, most likely. Maybe Moonfall attached to it. The episode on the 14th will most likely just be Death on the Nile. If I wanted to attach something else to it, it would be Marry Me. And then for February 21st, it will most likely be Uncharted. I might tack on uh, Ambulance. And then for the uh, episode on the 28th, it will probably just be my last round of catch-up from 2021 with House of Gucci and King Richard because at that point I think they'll both be available for rental so perfect um and then maybe no time to die I might sneak that one in there so that is your schedule for February hope you guys ho hopefully you guys enjoy it um yeah so let's see you know I, I haven't really uh, watched anything different uh, to kind of catch you guys up on I did want to uh, talk about the um uh the Moon, the Moon Knight trailer. Oh, my God. Absolutely. It looks wild. I can't wait for it. Uh, Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, Supernatural, Werewolves, a character I have never uh, read about in the comics, so I'm excited to see how they're going to be introduced. Um, yeah, looks great. Supernatural, horror, thriller, bring it on. Love it. So that's my quick thoughts on that. But, you know, 
let's uh, let's uh, go to the first break and let's talk about the lost daughter, which is Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut. Wait, yeah, it's her. Ah, oh, so yeah, interesting. So it's her directorial debut. Um, so I'm thinking uh, uh, with that, I think it's only right if we talk about another directorial debut from another actress that also came out in 2021 that it was also nominated for a sag that's right i'm sneaking another review in here for you guys let's talk about passing uh the film from netflix that's directed and written by rebecca hall stars tessa thompson and ruth nega so here you go let's break it down is based on a novel, and this one tells the story of mixed-race childhood friends that reunite in middle-class adulthood and become increasingly involved in each other's lives and insecurities. While Irene identifies as an African-American and is married to a black doctor, Claire passes as white and is married to a prejudiced, wealthy, white man. So, uh, going into this, I... Uh, I kind of ignored it. I'm going to be honest with you. And it's not because I didn't want to watch it. It's because there's just so many movies out there that I had to catch up on. I had to make decisions. And, you know, time is very limited. And so I, I wanted to make sure that I was able to cover most of the movies. They're going to be up for, you know, the Oscars and all these awards and everything. And so what has led me to this point is it being nominated uh, for a SAG award. Let me go ahead and pull it up here in real time because I uh, forgot to do... Uh my uh my little research here ruth uh ruth nega uh she plays claire in the film she was nominated for uh, outstanding performance by a female actor in a supporting role so once it kind of popped up on my radar that this film is actually getting some recognition then i i i wanted to watch it and of course you know netflix is gonna kill it uh from last year with all these selections that they have uh going forward with the uh awards process and this is one of them. And also, uh, I, I was also kind of in the mood um, even more to watch this after I watched The Lost Daughter, and that was Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut. And so this is Rebecca Hall's directorial debut. Never saw a trailer, just jumped right into it. Uh, I like Ruth Nega uh, quite a bit, and I also like Tessa Thompson, so here we go. Uh, so shame on me for ignoring it the first time. So here we are. It's good. It's a good, solid directorial uh, debut, and I would be fascinated to see where Rebecca Hall takes her directing career. I've always liked her as an actress, and I think one of the best roles she ever did was that film Christine. Um, was it called Christine? It was the one where she played the um, reporter that committed suicide live on air. It's based on a real story. That was a haunting performance. Um, really just kind of gets under your skin, hits all those nerves type of performance. She's fantastic in that. Check that out. Just a little side note. But with passing, um, let's start with with Rebecca Hall. In terms of visual uh, flair, she knows how to make a black and white movie. And it is super hard to do that because you have to nail your lighting. You got to nail composition. You have to really understand shadow and depth and um texture and detail and like just everything about it and i thought the cinematography was stunning it, it there's been a lot of uh black and white films uh from last year uh the most popular one that will probably be an awards consideration is belfast i thought belfast was shot fine this blows it out of the water there's something about this film 
that screams movie magic, Turner classic movies, vintage. Um, it just it feels like a film that was it, it capsulated from another time. And that has to all do with the cinematography, production design, costuming, lighting, all that stuff. It just makes it feel like we're on this different world, even though it is representing a, a, a decade and an era of our time. It was, it was beautiful. It was just, I don't know how to else describe it. It's just, it's one of those things to where when you watch it, every single frame is just filled up with something that looks great. And like I said, lighting is also really difficult to nail on black and white films. The lighting is incredible. And once again, it kind of adds like a, almost like a, a noir look to it, like an old school noir look. It's got this glossy Hollywood look to it. Like I said, that's why it's kind of it kind of screams out Turner Classic Movies because it has like that kind of gloss over it. And I think they shot on film, uh, so you can definitely see the um, the film grain. Uh, also, just adds a, a nice bit of richness and texture uh, to the film. It's it's stunning, really good stuff. Um, so I, the cinematography is outstanding. As far as the actual story goes and the characters, I like how I like how Frank. Um, Rebecca Hall is. I like how honest she is. I like how abrasive she is. She touches upon racism, sexism, homophobia, um, wealth uh, gaps, uh, class structure, um, and just what it's like to live in this, this time period. It's just there's so much going on. And we get perspectives from all types of races and just why... Uh, some people are thinking this way. Why are some and, and and you understand kind of like where Ruth Nega is coming from because she is the one that's kind of passing off as a white woman, so she can be in this kind of like upper class and feel like she's a part of something, but at the same time she's not being true to herself, and so she's really kind of um, she's kind of lost. And so you know her meeting up with Tessa Thompson's character, they were high school friends, and even Tessa Thompson, uh, who's having. Like she's very comfortable in her skin, and she 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 embraces being a, a strong black woman, but there's also people that judge her constantly for everything that she does, and it's just it, it's exhausting. And she's trying to make the world a better place, and she's even having her own internal problems at home uh, with like her husband, and her husband is kind of worried that um, their son might be gay, and it's just there's so much going on with each family. It's just it's a close examination of all these. Um, problems that have just been seeded in this country and that still happen to this day. So it doesn't matter what time period we're looking at. You could look at this film and just be like, oh, this this could be plucked from conversations that people are having today in 2022. So uh, I, I thought, uh, like I said, it was a very kind of honest. Uh, it gets uncomfortable sometimes, but it's, it's truth, truth to power type of speak. Um, it's stuff that people need to hear and it's stuff that uh, people need to understand and uh, empathize with uh, even if you are, are, are not black or if you're white or vice versa, man, woman, whatever. The whole thing is to kind of understand people's perspectives and be open-minded. So I think Rebecca Hall does that beautifully. Um, just kind of having these open conversations uh, and having it from the perspective of these two families was really... Um, uh, riveting dialogue and just interesting 
conversations that they were having, I, I was wrapped up in like what they were saying. Um, yeah. And I, I thought the, the end of the film, and I know this is based on a book, so I have no idea how the book ends, but the end of the film took me by surprise. I had no idea they were going to go down that route. Um, that might be my only complaint of the film is that the ending is so powerful that once it hits, uh, black and goes to credits i kind of wanted more i wanted to see what happened after that so the story may have been cut short uh maybe a little just abrupt ending um but uh a very powerful ending nonetheless i just man i really wanted to see what happened after that so um i guess that's also a pro for rebecca hall for having me so invested with all these characters and their situations so um yeah, I, I thought she did a, a very good job just kind of navigating this uh, this narrative and these characters and just letting them just letting them speak and just, just live in the moment and have these conversations. Uh, it was really fascinating to watch. The performances are also really great. Um, Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega, their chemistry is off the charts. Uh, they have that spark, excuse me, between them where you just can't take your eyes off of them. They are just two firework type of performances where you're just like you are in it they are delivering everything uh expertly and it's just you're just watching them do their do their thing and i i really uh i really appreciated that um they they were just casted wonderfully uh andre holland um plays tessa thompson's husband also really a great kind of supporting role and alexander skarsgård coming back to do another uh, a whole role, <laughs> if you will. He's so good at playing the just disgusting characters. You just want to punch him in the face. Um, when I saw him turn in Big Little Lies and doing that type of performance, I was like, he's too good at this. <laughs> but um, he does it here. Um, he has some very uncomfortable scenes uh, and how openly comfortable he is with being racist and especially when his wife is in the room and when he's talking with other people, it's just absolutely disgusting behavior. But that, that just shows you how people's minds were back in the day and how some people's minds are today, where it's just like they feel comfortable and they feel emboldened to say that stuff. Um, and it's absolutely horrific. Um, but it's, it's, it's an unfortunate truth that we all have to face um, in this country. Um, there's prejudice everywhere and it's, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, but also, you know, on the flip side, he's doing his job and he delivered a, uh, uh, just a gross performance. That's what he's supposed to do though. So, um, yeah, I, uh, uh, liked everyone else in the movie. Um, all, all just kind of came to play and just, uh, I, I think, um, just as a director, not only navigating the script, uh, to completion and having us uh, be uh, investive and, and care about it. I think Rebecca Hall also brought out some really just nice performances. And you know what? If uh, Ruth Nega and uh, uh, Tessa Thompson were nominated, I I wouldn't be shocked if Rebecca Hall gets nominated for adapted screenplay. Sure, go for it. Um, so I, I think this film does have potential. And honestly, Netflix, good job. Uh, between this, The Lost Daughter, The Power of the Dog, and Tick, Tick, Boom, you guys are killing it. 
uh, for 2021, and I think uh, you guys might sweep the Oscars. So, and that is my review of Passing. Please let me know down below, or tweet at me, or do whatever you guys need to do, and let me know what you thought of the film. So now, uh, now that I've officially psyched you guys out, now let's jump to our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk about The Lost Daughter and its uh, Oscar and awards chances, and just what I thought about the movie overall. So, I'll see you guys then. <music> And welcome back from the first break. Let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about Netflix's uh, awards contender, The Lost Daughter. Now, this one comes from Netflix. It is written and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal. It is based on a book, and the movie goes as follows. A woman's beach vacation takes a dark turn when she begins to confront the troubles of her past. Uh, the woman uh, that goes on the vacation is played by Olivia Coleman, And so, you know, going into this, you know, it kind of like went under the radar a bit. You know, Netflix has got a lot of awards play contenders that they can throw out there to the wind and see what sticks. You know, pow the power of the dog, uh, tick, tick, boom. Uh, this one, Passing, uh, and a couple others that they, they can uh, sneak in there. But this one didn't really get that, that much buzz around it. I remember following some of my critic, uh, you know, friends and, and acquaintances that went to... Um, uh, I think a, like a critic's choice screening for it, and they were raving about it. And I was like, oh, I, I had never heard about this. I never even saw a trailer for it. And then it ended up getting some SAG nominations. And so I was like, okay, so maybe this is kind of one of those, uh, you know, uh, dark horse films that will just like kind of come out of nowhere and sweep up everything, right? So this is a, another film in my 2021 catch-up. Uh, I wanted to review it. It's getting a lot of recognition, so why not? I missed a lot of stuff from last year, so it just makes sense to put this in the rotation. This was a good movie. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal comes in ferocious and confident as a director, and having it being her her, her first feature, really well done. I, I think she really understands uh, character and narrative super well, and it's just a really tightly knit story about this one woman's journey uh past and present and really just kind of um facing some of the hard truths that she has had to deal with in her past and it really just it, it is ripe with tension and, and suspense and having these characters go through this uh, emotional roller coaster and leading off into a climax that was really satisfying uh, not only for her character but for our viewing pleasure i think maggie gyllenhaal did that in spades and you know, it does a lot of cutting back and forth between the past and the present. And sometimes when you when you do that kind of hopping back and forth, you can kind of lose a, a little sight of the narrative. You can lose sight of the pacing, and it really doesn't feel as um, connected, and it feels disjointed. But Maggie Gyllenhaal, she knows what she's doing, and it, it just it flowed really, really well. And so, you know, going back to Olivia Colman in the present, uh, present, it was absolutely just captivated by her her very uh, nuanced and kind of just damaged performance where like there's just so much weight on this woman's shoulders that she it, it, you could feel like she's going to pop at any moment and really just kind of uh, let the tears flow and r really um, reckon with herself. And then you have the past where you go to her younger self, played by Jessie Buckley, which amazing job by her too, you know, and you're really just kind of interested as to how she got to her present point and what her mental state is like and, and just what she's feeling and like all that stuff. And I thought Jesse Buckley kind of tight roped that performance as well. It was really well, well done. So 
you know, for just a, just being a straightforward drama about one woman and her, her past and her, her present and just everything that's going on in her life and leading to that emotional climax, I think Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, for her first ever directorial debut, it's a great start. And I, I am super curious to see what she can do uh, from this point forward. So hats off to you, uh, Ms. Gyllenhaal. A really great job uh, writing and directing this. The performances are also uh, out of bounds. Um, Olivia Coleman is a national treasure. Every time when she pops up in something, she just gives it 110%. And I'm so glad that I saw The Favorite, uh, what was it, 2018 now? So, uh, And I was blown away by her performance in that, and then she won the Oscar for it. And so now she's kind of taking on all these really intense roles, and it, just, it really just shows you the the magnitude and the power that she can bring on screen. And what I like about her performance, um, and also uh, going back to the, the character and the writing of, of her particular character, is um, it really touches upon what it, what it feels like to some people to be a parent. And this is a very abrasive and honest kind of approach to it. You know, a lot of people, um, when they have kids, like, they can feel exhausted. They can feel tired. They, they, they can feel these things, um, which is a normal thing. But also, society tells women, like, they need to, you know, do this as a, a mom. And there's expectations. And, you know, in this particular relationship, the husband wasn't really doing much. So she was doing all the work. And it really was wearing on her. And this is a thing that parents can go through um, with these kind of waves of depression. And that's a real uh, mental health thing that not a lot of people discuss. Um, and so Maggie Gyllenhaal kind of bringing that to the forefront and Olivia Coleman executing that in her character was magnificent to see. Um, and it also makes Olivia Coleman's character three-dimensional. There are certain things that she says and that she does that are 100% selfish, and you can disagree with it, but then you understand why, um, and you can empathize with her. That's what makes a great character, and that's what makes a great performance. And I thought Olivia Coleman delivered that in spades. And when she starts to crack, and you see that emotion pour out of her, there is a, a, a magnetic field that Olivia Coleman has around her that just pulls you in. And so I, I thought uh, her performance in particular was really great. And her counterpart, her younger counterpart, uh, Jesse Buckley, wonderful. I was blown away by her uh, when I saw uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Um, what was it, last year? I think that was the first time I ever like fully noticed her. Uh, she was the lead in the movie, so it makes sense. And I was always curious to see like where she would kind of pop off next. And like she's in she's in films and TV shows, and she kind of does her thing. But this is another movie to kind of showcase why she is going to be a part of the, like the next generation of great actors and actresses coming up through the industry. So I thought she did a wonderful job, um, really kind of once again just showcasing that character and just the the beginning stages of like her mindset and why she's doing the things she's doing. She's doing things that are Super inappropriate um, with, uh, you know, her current family. But once again, that's what makes a great character is that you can disagree with them and agree with them at the same time and also empathize. Like, that's a, 
a human being that's a well-rounded character. So I thought she did fantastic. Dakota Johnson also just a very kind of subtle performance that kind of just strikes through the narrative that um, kind of prompts this whole thing because when Olivia Coleman is on the beach and she's kind of enjoying herself, she sees uh, Dakota Johnson's character and she sees that she's doing the same things that she used to do as a young parent. So it, that is what kind of like has her past bubble up inside of her. And that's why we see these flashbacks and um, also, you know, her trying to get close with Dakota Johnson's character. She's trying to also stop her from going down the same path and, you know, it may or may not end that way, but um, also just a really great performance. Um, uh, I also like how intimate the cinematography is. Uh, really just kind of a lot of close-ups and uh, medium shots and really just kind of crisp, you know, uh, high depth of field kind of look to it. It was nice. It was pleasant. And it really kind of uh, um, accents the uh, the location and the setting that they're in, which is also very beautiful. So, yeah, I, I don't... Uh, Know what else more to say? It's just a, a, a very solid directorial debut from Miss Maggie Gyllenhaal. So, um, as far as prospects go for awards, you know, the SAG nominations uh, came out, um, and Olivia Coleman, I believe, is the, the one that got um, the nomination. I I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, if she if she ends up getting in there for the Oscars, like, hey, good for her. Um, but yes, it is a really really great performance and a really good uh, first directorial debut. So that is my review of The Lost Daughter. Please let me know down below or tweet at me or do what you gotta do and let me know what you thought of the film. When we come back from the second break, I will be going over Tick, Tick, Boom, the Andrew Garfield-led Lin-Manuel Miranda-directed film. He did two of them last year with this one in the Heights. Well, will I think about it? Will I like this one more than In the Heights or In the Heights more? Who knows? You'll have to come back and find out. I'll see you guys then. And welcome back from the second break. Uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about Netflix's other awards contender, Tick, Tick, Boom. Now, this one comes from Netflix. It is directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And this one stars Andrew Garfield as uh, uh, music the musical theater composer Jonathan Larson. Uh, and on the cusp of his 30th birthday, he navigates love, friendship, and the pressures of life as an artist in New York City. So this is one of Netflix's big awards play. And this is the reason why I wanted to review it. You know, it is awards season after all. This is something I miss. I'm trying to do a lot of catch up from 2021. So it just makes perfect sense to review this uh, for you all. So yeah, I uh, going into this, I remember seeing the first trailer for it. It was energetic. It was snappy. It made me want to watch it immediately. It's the whole point of a trailer. So I got pumped to watch it. And the second thing going into this before I give you my review on it is that I am not that affiliated with the Broadway scene. I'm just not. And it's not because I don't want to see anything on Broadway. I just never have. Um, it'd be great to experience one thing in my life. Um, you know, I wanted to see the Book of Mormon for like the longest time. It's because I'm, I'm a huge fan and I respect... Um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, I was like, well, you know, if it's my first Broadway play, it makes sense because, you know, I like South Park, so let's give it a shot. You know, I'm sure it'd be really funny and irreverent. Um, but I never got I never got the chance. And then I saw Hamilton on Disney Plus, the the recorded stage play. It was fun. I was like, man, I really want to see some Broadway stuff. But of course COVID happened, so I, I have no idea like when things will start 
ramping back up, but after watching this film, it makes me want to watch more Broadway stuff and get more into that that culture and that community because it's it's really just rich and vibrant with very talented people and just so many artists and singers and I don't know I just it's a good community to be in um but yeah I I just I'm not that knowledgeable in it so I apologize if I mess anything up uh, in regards to this film but I saw this one I will tell you what if I made a list from last year this would be on it um between this and the power of the dog Netflix is in full control this year uh with award stuff I I really hope Netflix pushes Andrew Garfield for best uh, lead actor. Uh, this is an incredible performance, and it's also an incredible movie. So, whoo! It was it was quite the experience. I haven't been moved like that in quite some time, and I I like that because that's what movies are supposed to do sometimes, and this one was effective. So, director Lin Manuel Miranda. I I actually really liked In the Heights. I think this one's even better. So. Jonathan Larson, to me, is a true genius. You know, was a true genius. And I think this really captures that. Yes, um, can he be obsessive with his work? Absolutely. But what he was doing was he was creating art. He was creating true, emotional things that people can hold on to and listen to and just feel from the passion of his music. And that's something incredible that he's going to leave behind for his entire life. Um, and so I think Lin-Manuel Miranda really capturing the heart, the energy, the passion, the love, the frustration at times. Just all of that, of the, the creative process and what it's like being an artist. I thought Miranda really delivered that well. Um, and so us going along this journey with Jonathan Larson, you can feel the love, the passion, the frustration, um, and you want him to succeed, you know, all struggling artists, like you want them all to succeed if they just keep working at it. And Jonathan Larson was one of the harder working ones. And so you're just sitting there just, just rooting, rooting him on at every step of the way. And even when he stumbles and like, um, he neglects people in his life, like, it's it's like you're frustrated with that too but like at the same time you're just like man he's like on the cusp of something really really great he needs to keep going so yeah showing the creative process in that uh was really outstanding and then the musical numbers have so much snap and just vibrancy to them and so much energy that this was the first time i've ever heard these songs they were just so well done and they were they were funny they were sad they were heartbreaking. They were uh, offbeat. They were bizarre at times. Like it was just that is such a unique uh, set of songs that like I can I can immediately go when I hear these songs like that is Jonathan Larson. So it's a very distinctive style, a very distinctive voice, um, and that was really fun to just hear and to witness and experience. And all the dance numbers were really well done. So I, I think from a musical uh, standpoint they were also handled very, very well. And the third thing that Miranda and the editor did very well was make this thing move like a bullet. It is like a strike of lightning from start to finish. 
That two-hour runtime is one of the swiftest runtimes that I've seen from last year. It was outstanding. Like, the movie sped up when it needed to. It slowed down when it needed to. And it just, it had like these spurts of energy, these spurts of calmness and, and absorption within the characters in the story. It just, everything about it, it moved lyrically. Just like the songs in the film. It just, it was edited to perfection. So, Lin-Manuel Miranda, hats off to you, sir. The true star of this film is Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield, to me, ever since I first saw him in The Social Network 12 years ago, wait, 22 years, wait, no, it was 12 years ago, wait, 2010, my math skills are off. Yeah, 12 years ago. I was blown away by his performance. And I think uh, it was David Fincher that said it best. Andrew Garfield is hypnotic. He is the type of actor that thrusts 110% of himself and his emotions into each character that he plays. And you can see that on screen. And so his intensity in his acting gets through to you no matter what movie he's in you know he was in three movies last year this one spider-man and the eyes of tammy faye they are all three radically different performances but i was transfixed with every single one he does that here and he just keeps elevating his career he keeps elevating himself he keeps elevating his range he's just so good at what he does. He is one of the best working today, hands down. So with this performance, he really kind of captures the manic energy that Jonathan Larson had in, in the creative process and kind of being all over the place, wanting to be here, but wanting to be here with this person doing your work. And like, there's just so much going on that he wasn't able to balance everything. So he did end up losing people. And it is really sad to see because you know deep down he cares about people. He cares about relationships and his girlfriend in the movie. But just his love for theater was just too much. And he just he wanted to explore that. He made his choice. He went down that path. And just seeing that in Andrew's face, in his eyes, in his movement was captivating and the thing is like this is a physical performance because not only does andrew have to sing he has to dance he has to emote a lot in his face it is just a full body performance and it's magnificent like i hope he is nominated for best actor at the oscars i think he really deserves it he is the heartbeat of this movie he is the soul of the movie he is the movie so Andrew Garfield is fantastic in this. Like I can't, I can't even express that enough. Uh, the supporting cast is also really great. I, I liked uh, Alexandra Ship as his girlfriend. Uh, also, just a really nice little touching performance. Robin de de Jesus, Robin de Jesus. However you pronounce that, he played his friend in the film. Um, he was also really, really good because this one all uh, this is in the time period of the the AIDS epidemic. And so, you know, this character is kind of facing 
that head on. And so that storyline's taking place while at the same time he's also creating his music. And so that's, you know, where he kind of comes up with Brent and everything. And so seeing his friends go through that and struggling with that was just really heartbreaking for him. And he wanted to do something about it. And so that's why he was telling himself, like, he needs to create art. He needs to create something to show the world and to try to change the world. Um, and so I, I really liked his friendship uh, with Michael. Um, it, it was really, really nice. Uh, Vanessa Hutchins is in this randomly. I didn't know she was in this. She was also really great. Um, and then everyone else, um, you know, uh, I think it was just a really a nice kind of supporting ensemble uh, below the main three. But, um, yeah, I think everyone did a fantastic job. But I'm telling you right now, Andrew Garfield is this movie. Please push him for that nomination. But, uh, yeah, I uh, enjoyed the, the songs. I enjoyed the characters. Uh, I enjoyed just the whole presentation of this film. Just I went on an emotional roller coaster with Jonathan Larson, with Lin-Manuel Miranda, with Andrew Garfield. And it makes me want to, one, watch Rent um, on Broadway at some point in my life, just so I can uh, appreciate Jonathan Larson even more. But also just Broadway in general. So that's what this film did to me. I want to see more. And that is my review of Tick, Tick, Boom. Please let me know down below or tweet at me or do what you got to do to let me know what you thought about the film. And that will do it for this episode, guys. 346 is in the bag. 347, like I said at the top of this episode, will 90% be uh, Jackass Forever. Uh, could sneak in Moonfall as the other review, but uh, look forward to whatever I decide to come up with. So... That will do it for this review of the Real Me and Cole Movie Podcast. I am your co-host, Chase Lee. Thank you for joining me. You guys are amazing. I hope you guys have a wonderful day or night or whenever you're listening to this. I love you guys' support. I love you all. You guys are amazing. Go watch some movies. Go spread this around and let people know that this is a great film community to be a part of. You guys know the drill. Uh, just take care. You guys just take care. Be healthy. Be be Just be stronger than ever. And Let's have a good... 2022 you know so i'll see you guys uh, next week for another episode goodbye